Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubel, MD, episode number 223. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Katrina Ubel, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hello there, my friend. How are you this fine day? Welcome to the podcast. So glad that you're here. I'm recognizing now that I'm recording this, that my voice is a little husky today. I actually just did a really awesome two-hour training call last night. If you're there with me, awesome. And by, you know, last night, this is going to be several weeks before this actually airs live. But I think that my voice took a little bit of a hit last night. I don't think I really realized that until now, but it's totally worth it. I love answering all of your questions. Might have to take a few pauses to clear my throat as we go along. Who knows? Maybe it'll just warm up as we go. I should have probably done some vocal exercises or something before starting this. I have to ask how your spring is going or, you know, we have people listening in the Southern Hemisphere. So they're like, listen, winter is coming. <laughs> and so how's your how's your fall going? <laughs> it's It's been a really interesting year. I just want to just to share something a little bit more personal, just briefly. I'm recording this on April 1st, actually. So happy April Fool's, I suppose. (laughs) So for anybody who's listened to this podcast, you know, maybe you just started at the beginning, and now you're kind of catching up with the more recent ones, or maybe you haven't listened to this. I think it was episode 12, I believe, or actually shared a little bit more about the experience that I had where my daughter was stillborn. That happened actually almost 11 years ago. It happened on April 4th. And 11 years ago, April 4th was on Easter. 
And this year, it's on Easter again. And, you know, in 11 years, I've spent a lot of time and, you know, effort on processing grief and, you know, working through all kinds of different angles of that experience. And it's been really interesting to see what it's like to be reliving everything, like almost identically. What's also really crazy is that that year in 2010, we had a really early spring. It was just like glorious. Like the sun was shining, the spring flowers were already out. I live in Wisconsin, like sometimes in May, we're still freezing, you know. So it just was like so glorious. And I was, I just have always loved spring because my birthday is April 6th. So I was always just like love spring and it was so great. And And so we're having like literally a a replica of that experience right now. So we've got the early spring, great weather, timeline exactly the way it was. And it's been really interesting to see emotionally how that's kind of brought things up for me in ways that I couldn't even really anticipate. Like, I just didn't really know. I kind of thought like, well, we'll see, like, you know, how this goes. And I, I every year I'm just kind of like, we'll see. Like, I've had years where I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. I don't know. Things I'm, I'm okay. We have our things that we do. We have we have certain things that we do on her birthday that we do every year. And, you know, I like doing those. And and that's been great. And then And then this year it's been really interesting just kind of noticing a little different element to this time. And you think, you know, 11 years goes by, like, it's been a long time, right? But then there's some parts that still live within you. So partly, I wanted to bring this up, because what I think is so, so, so important, it's something that I work with my clients on a ton. And I, you know, plan on actually even bolstering in the weight loss for doctors only program moving forward is how to process emotions, how to stay with yourself when things come up, how to not freak out when you're feeling a lot of emotions. It's really easy to be like, wait, I thought I was done with this. Or like, why is this coming up again? Like, what's the deal here? And instead, just moving into it going, okay, this is the next level of processing that I obviously have to do because, you know, that was a trauma, obviously, that I went through. And so this is just the next level of that. And being open and willing to feel it, even when it feels super terrible, (laughs) is really the path forward. Because what I spent, you know, the majority of my life doing, and I bet you have too, is just like stuffing that all down. And, you know, not wanting to cry and not wanting to experience that emotion. And often I would use food to help me to stuff that. And some people use alcohol or do other things as well in order to do that. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things that we're signing up for when we're no longer using food to feel better is we're, we're signing up for, we're saying yes to the full emotional experience as an adult. Now, I will tell you in the last day or two, you know, I'm doing like some journaling and I'm literally flying out of my pen is like, I hate this. I don't want to feel this way. Nobody should have to feel this way. Like if this is what it feels like to be an adult, then I want to opt out, you know, like, like literally just like, I don't want to do this. But part of the process of, of processing it is allowing that to come out is allowing that part of you to have the voice so that you can just leave it there. And it's like a catharsis, right? You like get it out and then you're like dusting yourself off. Okay, here we go back into life again, like doing, doing my thing. And and so anyway, I just I felt called to mention that because it is something that's going on for me right now. But also because I know that this comes up for other people as well. This can be, you know, related to other, you know, deaths in the family that you've had, or friends who you've lost or other important people in your life. Or it doesn't have to be something, you know, kind of as extreme as that. But anything that just kind of keeps living with you, it's important to give it some airtime to not be frustrated with yourself to not put a timeline on the experience 
I think, you know, early on after my daughter died, I really had this idea of like, okay, so when is this going to be over? Or when will I be like, done with this or like, quote, unquote, through it? You know, like, when will I be through this experience? And I, I think I might have shared this before. I don't remember if I did. It was a long time ago. But after my daughter had died, Vivian, a friend of mine had just come by and she let me know that she had actually visited with her grandmother who was in her 90s. And she said that she told her grandmother what had happened to me and Vivian. And her grandmother said, Oh, that happened to me too. And my friend didn't know that. And her, yeah, her grandma's like, Oh, yeah, it was a little boy. And he was between, you know, this uncle and this uncle. And he would be like 74 or whatever. Right now, like she completely, he was still like very much alive in her heart. And I think she asked her grandmother, like, you know, at what point, like, you know, do you get over it? And she was just like, no, I'm still not over it. And I was like, oh my God, that's so helpful to know. Like, this will be a healing wound in my heart forever. And like, can that be okay? At that moment, I was just like, oh, good. Well, good to know. Then maybe I can, you know, just stop trying to tell myself that something's going wrong here. And then I need to be you know, getting through this, whatever that even means, like that there is no point where I can consistently and reliably say that, you know, I won't have any emotion about it. Like it would just be like this thing that happened. I think there's a lot of healing that can be done for sure around the trauma of it. But you know, it's normal. It's okay. It's expected to miss you know, anybody that you lose prematurely, or even when it's not premature, you know, for the rest of your life, especially if it was a meaningful experience for you. So anyway, I just I feel called to mention that it could be that somebody listening today really needs to hear that you might hear the emotion in my voice. Whew, it's yeah, it's just been a little intense. So that's what's going on for me. Okay, took a little moment there to just gather myself. Let's talk about the topic of the day. I wanted to talk today about impatience with weight loss. Because, you know, I, I, I see this and I hear this all the time. My clients all the time are so impatient. What can I do? They're like talking about what kind of, you know, like basically, you know, we know you're being impatient with your weight loss when you start reverting back to diet mentality thoughts. The minute you start telling me that you want to start doing, you know, more fasting or, you know, that the minute calories start being a part of the conversation, I'm like, hold on a second, what are what are we even doing here? <laughs> like, why are we even thinking or talking about this? And, you know, when we're impatient to get to goal weight, or get to even just like the first 10 pounds lost, or, you know, whatever it is with our goal, we find that the experience of it is, you know, not nearly as pleasant. But also, I think the impatience can really hold you back from experiencing what it is that you want. Part of the deal with impatience, like why we're even impatient, like why do we want it now? Why aren't we willing to be patient? Is because we really think that it's going to be so much better when we get there. Whatever we think is going to be better, we're going to like ourselves more. Maybe a lot of times we're like, listen, I just want to stop thinking about losing weight. I would love to just think about maintaining as though maintaining is easier. (laughs) In a lot of ways, I mean, in a lot of ways, it is. It's nice to not have to worry about that anymore or think about that anymore. But it's a whole other ball of wax. It's it's basically like, now I got to figure out, you know, the, how to do this for the rest of my life. I don't get all the little dopamine hits from the scale going down and things like that. But often, often I think we really are deep down, like rationally, we understand this isn't the case. But deep down, we really are like 
kind of like hanging on to that hope that we'll really become that magical person that we wish we, you know, could be that doesn't live a human life that really is perfect all the time, never gets upset with people, you know, always makes the right decisions, is very reliable to herself and others, you know, like, (laughs) all of that stuff. And then we are pretty disappointed when we finally lose that weight. And we find out, you know what, like this I'm still me. Like, what the heck? Why am I still human, even though I weigh this certain weight? And I know it makes, you know, obviously, logically, we're like, of course, you're still human. I mean, you always will be. But when we're the ones living it, there's some disappointment that comes in that. So we get when we get really impatient, we do whatever kind of things we need to do to try to lose that weight, then we lose the weight, we get there, we realize, wait, I'm still me. And I still have all the same problems that I had before it really can sometimes be so disappointing that we're like, well, screw it. I might as well just go back to eating then. And I can totally understand that line of thinking. Like I can see how someone would argue for that. But what we have to really recognize is the whole point of doing this. The whole point of losing weight is not to get to a certain size so that we can then no longer live a human life, have any problems, everyone will love us, we'll love ourselves, like all these things that we think will happen. Like that's not the point. We think that's the point, but it's really not the point. The point of this is to develop a relationship with yourself in the process where you love yourself no matter what, where you get to that goal weight and you're like, I knew I was going to do it. And I love myself now. I love myself myself five pounds heavier, 10 pounds heavier, 20 pounds heavier, or even if I lose five more pounds, like I love myself regardless. I am all in on the human experience. It's rather than it being like this, this like, final destination that you've you've like made it, you know, it's more like a checkpoint. It's like you're checking in, you're like, yeah, okay, here I am. And then you're continuing on that journey of life, that path toward, you know, figuring out how to feel your emotions, how to manage your mind. Now, I was thinking about what impatience means, like, why do we get impatient? And really, what it comes down to is it's a lack of faith that we can get to where we're going by doing what we're doing. Sometimes we do have to make some changes right? It could be that you figure out you're like, you know what, I've really been overeating a little bit. And I need to change that so that I can lose the final pounds or, you know, whatever it is, whatever goal you're trying to go for. But what we don't spend enough time thinking about is having the faith that we can achieve what we want to achieve, and working on our belief. This is something that's so important to work on. We think that, you know, belief just like comes to us. And of course, you'll believe that you can get to your goal weight once you have done it, because then you'll have evidence, right? It's like you need to see it to believe it. But what I want to offer to you is that what's really powerful, what's way more powerful and way more important is believing it before you even see it. So going into your weight loss journey or wherever you are in the process right now with the idea that this is happening, like it's as good as done, you believe it's happening for sure. and using faith to carry that belief. Faith is belief without the evidence. And so many of us are reluctant to do that. So it's thinking about what is the deal with faith? Why don't we want to faithfully believe that we can get to our goal weight, that we are doing enough, that we are enough, that all we have to do is just keep, you know, staying the course keep managing our mind, doing all the things that we know we need to do, and that we will get there eventually. Like, why do we get so impatient, and then start going into diet mentality, start trying to do some crazy stuff, or all of a sudden, we're like throwing away what we actually know works. And, 
you know, trying this like, you know, two week cleanse that our friend told us about or something crazy, you know, or like, all of a sudden, we're like, yeah, I know what I need to do. I need to count macros. It's like, hold on a second, you know, which by the way, if you love counting macros, you want to do that the rest of your life, you're I, I'm all in, go for it. That's amazing. Just find that most of my clients are not interested in doing that, which is totally great because there's other ways of doing it. But so why don't we want to have faith? What is our reluctance to have faith in the in the belief that we can get to where we want to go? Like, what's that all about? I think really what it comes down to is that we are afraid that we'll have faith that we can create something, then later find out we can't create it. And then we'll think we think that we're going to feel kind of stupid or silly, or people will think negatively about us, maybe they'll they'll laugh and say, See, I knew you could never do it. You know, like, we're gonna, we're gonna think, we think that we're going to feel bad in the future if we have faith now. And I want to just let you know that where most of your beliefs have come from, especially the ones that you hold very strongly that really create your identity. So really on a subconscious level, like what you think about yourself and what's possible for you, you've really established most of those by the time you're around seven or eight years old. And so those aren't even, I don't even think of those as being your beliefs. That's just like you were, were in some sort of environment with your family of origin, whoever raised you, the major influences in your life. And those messages are what you took in as a child, really, you know, without, you just took them as the truth about you and about life and about what's possible. You didn't sit down as a seven-year-old you know, or a five-year-old and go, hmm, do I really want to believe this or not? Like, I have a choice here, right? Where you just took it in. So if you were raised in a family where particularly the women in the family struggled with their weight, said things about like, you know, people in our family struggle with our weight, or you just kind of looked around, you just saw that everybody struggled with their weight. If you had a mother who spoke negatively about her body, who pointed out her self-perceived physical flaws, you know, many times they'll be like, well, the women in our family, we just really struggle with our, you know, the size of our thighs, like things like that. Like people just say things. And as a child, you just take that in. You're like, no, these are the limitations to, you know, that I have, my body has, that's, you know, this is, this is the limit to what's possible for me. And so we just think that that's the truth. And what we're doing here when we're having faith that we can create something different is we're butting up against those old indoctrinated beliefs. And what we have to do is recognize what we actually believe about ourselves right now so that we can change those beliefs. And you don't have to have evidence, just like you created the evidence to support the beliefs that you have about your body now, right? You're like, yeah, but if I look back, like, you know, me and everyone else in my family, we all have trouble with our thighs. I'm like, well, maybe that's because you believe you're going to have trouble with your thighs, right? Like it's the chicken and the egg, which one came first? So in this case, what needs to come first is your faith that you can create something new, that your your faith that you're going to keep going until you figure this out. And there is no downside to having the faith because the faith can continue until you die. And <laughs> when you die, who cares what size your body is, right? It doesn't even matter. But there's no downside to having the faith if you refuse to make not having the goal achieved be a problem, right? If you think, well, I have faith that I'm going to get it done by this timeline. And if I don't get it done by this timeline, then, then, you know, I've been stupid this whole time, and you make it mean something negative about you. And then of course, you're going to be reluctant to have that faith, especially if you don't believe that you can really create what it is that you want anyway. 
So having faith means practicing on a very regular basis. I would suggest daily or almost daily, if possible, literally thinking about what's possible for you, what you believe you're going to create, and then envision yourself having it. Practice being that person who has it. And that can be even just in the way that you're acting. Like you treat yourself like somebody who really cares and loves about themselves. You can do that now. You can practice the way that you're going to think when you're there. You can practice feeling the way you're going to feel. You literally embody that person now. And by having faith that that's possible and you practicing being that person, you actually then allow reality to catch up and you allow yourself to create that thing that you weren't even sure you could create in the first place. So faith is so important. And I, what I really want to nail home for you today is that there's no downside to having faith. There really isn't. <laughs> faith is what carries you when all the evidence shows that it's not true, that you can't do it, that you're backsliding, that you've gained weight back and you're like, shoot, what am I going to do now? When you have faith, that's what carries you forward. When you don't have faith, you just settle for what you have right now or what you've created in the past. And which is fine, you can totally do that. Except if you want to create something new, it's going to be really hard to do it from that mindset. So look at the places where you're impatient. If you are feeling that impatience when it comes to weight loss, you got to slow your roll. Because if we're losing this for the last time, which is the whole point of all of this, right, we're going to lose the weight permanently, then we don't need to be in such a hurry because you only need to lose it permanently once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's an issue in my attic office that we're, we're trying to work on. And I told the contractor, I said, hey, listen, I only want to do this a second time once. So we got to make sure that we're doing this right <laughs> the second time. <laughs> so that's what we really need to work on. Why are we being impatient? We got to slow ourselves down, understand where the patience is coming from, and work on the belief. If you're impatient, it's because you don't believe that what you're doing right now is enough. I promise you, you're enough it's enough. Let it come to you. You don't have to resist the timeline so strongly. And if you knew it was yours, if it's just, it's like 100% guaranteed that you're going to have it at some point in the future, how would you act today? Would you be starting to do crazy diet mentality stuff? Or would you just chill out, stay the course, get the help that you need and keep moving forward? So that's what I have for you today. <laughs> A little bit of a have a tirade there for you. <laughs> a little hodgepodge of information for you on this podcast today. Okay, well, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening for all of your time, effort, and energy that goes into being a part of this podcast. I appreciate you so much. I'll see you later. Bye bye. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.